Happy Friday from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It's Friday, March 26th, the last Friday of the month and the last Friday of the quarter. It's time for your weekly wrap-up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. Joining us in place of Eric this week is legendary London trader Andrew McGuire. Uh, I don't know of anyone who understands the global precious metals markets any better than Andy. Uh, he knows how the pieces all fit fit together. It's not just a dot on a screen or something on a ticker tape at the bottom of your uh, Bloomberg television screen. Uh, the global precious metals markets are extremely complicated. And like I said, nobody understands it better than Andy. So Andy, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Oh, it's it's a pleasure, and uh, and again, this is a, a, a revisit to uh, to your end of weekly wrap up. So, uh, it, always a pleasure to come and join you. Well, and I appreciate it. I know Eric appreciates it as well. And of course, for everybody out there, if you appreciate these weekly wrap up segments or ask the expert, or even our new monthly metals projections video podcast, please be sure to like, share, subscribe on whatever channel you're listening to. That'll help us get the word out. And of course, Sprott Money is the sponsor of all of this. Please consider Sprott Money for all of your bullion and bullion storage needs. You can find more information at SprottMoney.com or of course, just give us a call 888-861-0775. Andy, we should just dive right in. It's been a somewhat frustrating week. We've had option expiration on COMEX for the uh, April gold and a few April silvers too. That has kind of kept things going in a downtrend uh, that we've, gosh, has been going on for seven months now. Andy, what did you see this week and what do you see in the weeks ahead? Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, if you remember Monday, what do we wake up to on a Monday morning is a gap lower open, 30 something cents in in, uh, silver, gap lower in gold, out of the blue. Uh, really, I think a lot of this is to, to do with, of course, a bit of a toxic cocktail of strong dollar um, and, and soaring bond yields, one thing or another. But I mean, we, we kind of, in fact, we, we, we've covered this in, in, in an interview um, that we did in Life from the Vault this week and, and basically resulting in backwardations, resulting in really what is actually uh, turning out to be a very, very, very solid uh, delivery month. And um, so basically, um, what we're looking at, and, and uh, we, we, we discussed very briefly a couple of days ago, is the uh, we're only three sessions away from a, uh, from delivery of the March contract. Yes, we expired options yesterday for the April uh, contracts, but we're talking about the last potential or possible delivery date that must be delivered by Wednesday, which is the end of the month, which is uh, what COMEX allows now. But I, I think there's something really key here. And, and I'm going to look at the because this relates directly to what we're seeing that's visible uh, to everybody on the uh, delivery side of things. There's the options exercises that happened last night. And I did a bit of analysis on that. Uh, and so really what I want to do is is kind of uh, look at the sheer scale of these directly related massive out of the norm deliveries. And as of today, I mean, summing it all up, we've got some 30 tons of GC of gold futures contracts uh, currently stopped or or uh, scheduled for delivery. Uh, but even more notable, and I know we talked about this, the unprecedented 
dented large size of March silver futures standing for delivery. And that stands right now at a massive 1,795 tons. Yeah. I mean, inconceivable amounts of physical silver. I mean, and you do a lot on your site there. You you sometimes put up these pallets, and you and you you <laughs> stand someone by the pallets, and and you and you and seventeen hundred ninety five tons of silver is a massive amount of 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 bullion. And and actually, what's interesting is that's three hundred and fifty tons larger than the largest delivery month of the year, which is, of course, December. We all look at December as that is the biggest delivery month of the year. And, but to put that into context with January and February, really, they only averaged about 300 tons of deliveries. Uh, so we have to take note. Now, I look at the, the, the tonnage side of things because we're in the wholesale side of the market. But I honestly, you, you can obviously put translate that back into open interest. But but given this unprecedented volume of March delivery standing for physical delivery, we suspect yesterday's and people are saying, what the hell happened yesterday? What was this counterintuitive rinse of the silver 200 day moving average? I mean, this was, in our view, a blatant attempt to incentivize uh, the selling and squaring off of positions that had stopped in for purchase two to three dollars higher. Now, you know, we know these games go on, and but these footprints strongly suggest that the, the the put structure is the most unusual that I've ever seen it. I mean, these bearish put and call sales this time were largely in the hands of the specs, who were basically psyoped into thinking, well, it's just going down. It's an automated sell. Uh, you know, dollars going up, bond yields are up, commodities are weak. Sell, sell, sell without any view of the physical market. And, and of course, that, that is what we're dealing with now. We're dealing with the, the result of that is that, hey, the physical market says, no way. Um, thank you. We're going to, you're actually driving a, a, a bifurcation between uh, the two markets here. And what they did by, by forcing uh, specs who had sold these puts, like in other words, that's a bearish bet, right? Um, it, by the time, by, by pushing them into the 200-day moving average, what it did is forced these guys to sell futures to delta hedge these bearish bets. So obviously, you've made a bet against it. You have to then make sure that each each dollar you're going down or each cent you're going down is actually working against you. So then you, you're forced to delta hedge. Now, what happened was you suddenly saw the spike back. Well, yeah, the insiders what have they done for years and years, Craig? They picked up the discount down. But the same thing we saw in uh, in gold futures, but, but insiders were really forced to short cover into, and we just talked about this a minute ago, the spike higher, uh, which was actually came in right at the market open, uh, where the stock market S&Ps opened. Uh, and it came within $5 of the, of, uh, of 1750 sweet spot before retracing back in thin, very, very post-fixed conditions. Now, really, this is what I'm really trying to get to. Let's look at what happened into the April options expiry yesterday. Uh, and to be quite frank, this is the largest put call imbalance I can ever history of gold. And in order to assess if this is going to result in upside air pockets or downside air pockets, um, 
we need to draw attention to this exercise structure. And normally when you see a massive amount of calls uh, coming in and choosing to roll into a uh, into the front month contract, which is about to expire, and we talk about the March contract, uh, the April contract here, which is just about to expire, um, then normally you would see a very disruptive closing of these intraday position limits going through the roof, um, but essentially people closing these calls and waiting letting a good uh, air pocket appear to the downside, then buy back in, in, in the next month out, which of course is June. And then that way you've, you've created this, this usual enormous uh, volatility that you get. But, but this, in this case, we think it's going to be up, ultimately upside air pockets into rollover, ne into rollover next week. And the reason I say that is that the number of exercises chooses to roll into this expiring April contract, it was 4.7 times as many puts as calls, choosing to roll into a contract just about to go off the board. And, and so really, when you think about it, what, why would you, if you're a, a plain vanilla options uh, player, you would usually close your contracts, move into the next contract. Why would you choose? to actually roll into a contract which is actually suggesting you're going to take delivery or you're going to make delivery. Now, we're talking about 3,349 puts uh, versus just 7,079 calls expiring into this contract. Now, I've never seen this before. This really what it reflects is the unprecedented number of open volume of open interest standing for delivery and given that the bulk will be rolled or cash settles we would in this instance expect the obligatory insider run volatility but 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 ultimately do we evidence these upside air pockets into rollover um and uh, the ex because really what they're looking at is an exposure here to deliver 104 tons uh that have to be well, they could, obviously they were tempted disruptively to close and roll them at the last minute, but we see this as actually bullish. Um, but more importantly, given this incestuous relationship between the 10 times larger spot market uh, and the COMEX, uh, the, the BIS options sweet spot. Now, let me just explain that the options expiry for, for the over-the-counter market, which is 10 times larger in volume, uh, occurs on the last at, at the UK PM fix hour on the last business day of the month. So that would obviously be case the th Wednesday the 31st, which is also the same day that uh, these these March contracts have to be delivered. And and um, given this incestuous relationship, they actually tend to be very very similar. These sweet spots tend to be similar, and we see that well structured between 1750 and 1775. But the June contract is looking actually magnetic above 1800. Now these are this this is the structure as we what we liquidity providers talk about. This is what how people are beginning to position. Um, now, in the non-delivery SI contract, uh, which is clearly, I'm going to say non-delivery contract, I mean, look, 
This has clearly been the focus of this week's heavy silver action. We saw the gap open, down lower. We've evidenced a week of solid selling. Uh, but we also noticed a similar imbalance, but for the same reason, where you had 2.6 times as many puts choosing to roll into the expiring March contract. And that was around 4,488 puts versus just 1,742 calls. So that's just a fraction of, but that's just a fraction of what actually is purported to be delivered. So very short-term volatility aside into month end, we also ultimately expect upside air pockets. And uh, really, that's kind of where we were looking at for this um, for this March uh, this March delivery contract. But weighing in all these these uh, exercises that occurred last night. So we'll now watch into next week, as you said for the BIS and the LBMA options to price end of quarter as well, Andy. And that's on uh, Wednesday, as you said. And we'll turn the corner into uh, April. It sounds like maybe if we get a little break on the HFT factors like the dollar index or uh, bond yields, maybe the stage is set to finally uh, end this consolidation and start trending higher. Does that sound right? Yes, it does. And, and of course, there are periods of time, as we know, Craig, where uh, the dollar can rise along with the with gold. I mean, it's just that <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's hard to say sometimes, but the dollar is seen as a safe haven uh, based of where yeah. you weigh it up against all the other fiat currencies. I suppose it's the best of the bunch. Um, it's hard to even say that. But um, but essentially, yeah, uh, of course, it can be. And when there's times of uncertainty, we see a run into the dollar. We see the run into gold. We've actually seen some decent legs considering everything. We've seen some decent legs in gold, if you think about it, this week compared mm-hmm. to the action in silver. I agree with you. Yes. And, it, and there is some some hints of stability here. You know, I, I, there was a range, Andy, uh, last year between April and June where price was – uh, like I said, range bound between 1680 and 1780. Once we took out 1780, I had to figure 1680 would be the next support level. And that's exactly what we fell to. And now we're kind of right in the middle of that range. Would you, uh, do you see kind of similar numbers, maybe a confirmation that the, the downtrend or the consolidation phase is broken if we can move back towards 1780 and 1800? Yeah. And I think, I think also, um, this, is again a situation where we've we haven't seen this kind of level of delivery interest yeah uh, since november we saw it in october I, I remember that but also since november and and if you remember we we actually were quite public about this where we know of two instances where 40 dollars an ounce were paid uh, to two banks to not take delivery and and of the comex deliveries at the time and what happened if you look at a chart you'll see that was the start of of an eight dollar rise in in silver and and it was the start of a of a decent rally in gold as well um so i think we are back there at that point because um i think it's really a result of as we say this this algo market this it it, it is the we, you know, this siloed casino looking uh, doesn't look outside the the real market, the real the real physical market. Uh, it's just you know an algo that connects itself to various different aspects. We've seen it a hundred times, and there's it makes no actual sense sometimes um, that you know okay, so so it, it makes no sense in the sense that you're actually driving the spot price below. Uh, where the physical price is and the spot price is what what people can stand jump in and and, and buy and wait for 
delivery. Uh, and so really what's happening is then we get these backwardations where uh, where we see that actually because the the, 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 the the algos are based very, very much more in the COMEX market. So and in this silo, because you know you don't have any visibility of physical, so what you do is you then connect these algos. Hey, hang on, dollars going up, sell gold. Hey, um, bond yields are going up, sell, sell gold, sell silver. Uh, the, the, and then of course they all interrelate. So you've got one index affecting the other and you get this kind of chaos. Yeah. And And I think, that has resulted in these backwardations, which has resulted in, in delivery demands. And I think so there's a nice little circle here, and it comes all the way back to what we saw in November, where we think we're going to see the similar sort of setup here, where you're going to probably have UBS coming out and threatening people not to take delivery. Uh, but then again, uh, you have an arbitrage position where you'll be quite happy to take uh, a cash settlement as long as it means that it covers the cost of getting that gold on the spot market at a premium to the COMEX price. So they might be able to protect their game a little longer, but you can't keep affording to lose money as an exchange. And, and it's so somebody in this exchange has to be stumping up the money. If you're not delivering the bullion, somebody has to stump up the difference. So we know, and we've talked about it many times, we, Craig, I mean, look, they, they don't want to deliver anything off that market. It's not designed to be a delivery market. Mm -hmm. Well, it is certainly setting up to be an interesting month, uh, not only for gold this month, but March was interesting for silver, and again, May will be interesting for silver, and we'll see where we go from here. Andy, I, I want to be respectful of your time, but ever since we announced you were going to be the guest uh, this week, we've got a number of questions. I've consolidated them into just three. I, I might just hit you with them really quick uh, before you go, if that's all right. Of course, of course. Well, in in your opinion, I mean, again, much of what you do as a day job is is in the wholesale market, working with clients looking for metal in size. Uh, you know, we've seen, especially since February, this rush to clean out dealer inventories. Uh, great demand for physical silver on the investment side, continued demand on the industrial side. But yet none of this physical demand seems to be impacting the digital derivative price. Um, under what circumstances do you think we could finally start to see that trickle through? I think it's 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 the... Um... <laughs> It's the it is the fact that there is there are people starting to wake up to this game and saying, look, if I cannot get the volume I need off the COMEX, then I will turn to the COMEX who way right in front of me says I have registered inventories you can come and take. So and look, here's a price. And this is the price you can buy it at. And and this is what we're running into now. For the This is only the second time that we've seen this kind of catch 22 uh Take, I want delivery. I had a what a five. We had to up to a five dollar and ninety cent uh, backwardation at one point. I mean, it's a no brainer. This is if you're a, a bullion bank, that is a huge profit for you. That's a mass. That's what you're in business for. You're in business to make profit. Yeah. So of course you'll lock it in and you'll hedge it and use the Comex to hedge it, and then you'll stand for delivery. So I think to answer that question it is it, it, it really is a, a question of you keep you keep pushing the price of paper too low, then it there is a big a ten times larger spot market out there that is actually a global market that has the right to take delivery, and yes, there's a premium. So if you want anything over three tons, 
uh, or anything over 100,000 ounces, you start to move into a bilateral deal. You might buy it at spot, and then you'll then you'll then further negotiate a price that somebody will sell it to you at. <laughs> and so that's what I'm saying is there was a $40 premium in one instance in November. What is that premium now to go out and buy? And it really now <laughs> depends on how much they can warrant shuffle out of this terrible situation that they put themselves in by selling too much uh, paper gold. Um, you know, how much can they close? But there is going to be some that they cannot close. And I think it's it's really that volume we'll know much closer to next week. But I would not be surprised to see another large move up. Uh, from uh, th very similar to what we saw in in uh, November, and in in even I guess I guess basic terms, we just got to keep up the pressure. We can't let them off the hook. We got to keep stacking physical metal, take it out of their hands, hold it yourself or at a trusted storage company like Sprott Money, so that it's not in the banker's hands. And we can force that deleverage. Andy, the second question comes with, uh, there was a video about a week ago, a guy had uh, emailed the biz, which is, you know, renowned for being trustworthy and honest. Uh, and the bid said, oh, no, gold's not a tier one asset. It's not going to be. But it's it's more, I don't want to say nuanced or subtle, but there's more. it's more complicated than that. Can you just explain how in practical terms gold will soon be, if not currently, is treated as a first tier asset? Yeah, I know, and I know, and I don't blame the 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 the, the people you know questioning this. And it's good. I think it's very healthy that people question these kind of things because it is a smoke and mirrors world here. And the BIS, as you say, is, is probably the least transparent company out there. They don't talk, talk about their leases. They don't talk about the, what they disclose about their leases is is very very uh, very very uh, small. But essentially, what we're what we're looking at here is um, is I think more importantly. Uh, is this going to be good or bad uh, for gold? And I think, uh, you know, really, what, what is Basel III? Uh, um, and I think Basel III, uh, and, and talking about the first-tier aspect, let's, let's nail it right uh, from the beginning. First-tier asset is every single bank I deal with treats gold as a first-tier asset. Now, we talked about bail-ins in our life from the vault, uh, and we talked about I won't go into the detail of it. We sort of, sort of talked about the bail-ins, but we also talked about when a Swiss client goes to to the bank to get his restricted to two, three hundred thousand euros uh, uh, Swiss francs to get their bullion. It's either bullion or it's cash to that amount. No more, because you're, you're essentially bailing in the rest of their their assets. They treat it one to one as cash. So it, in reality. It's treated by the bank as a first-tier asset. So now, but what's I think well, the interesting part about Basel III, of course, is that, that unallocated gold gets an 85% haircut, while conversely, as of June 28th, allocated physical gets a zero-risk weight that will apply to bullion held in a bank or held in another bank on an allocated basis. So, so, so really, so Billy, what we're saying is. You know, this, 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 the reason this is so positive, because if unallocated gold continues to be utilized as the funding sources for gold leases, which we just referred to, this, the, the, the onerous financing condition of an 85% haircut is going to lead to a massive increase in leasing costs. And if we, you know, we could go through the, the, a lot more detail, but essentially we're talking about a 15 
in trolley, uh, trillion of dollar year gold market here uh, cleared through the LPMCL in an unallocated fractionally held form. And we talk about unallocated all the time and you've mm -hmm. recently been doing articles about it. But essentially, when you think about it, and, and there's about, let's say in round numbers, 8,000 tons, tons of gold cleared through the LPMCL every day. When there's what, three to five tons of physical actually cleared through the uh, through, through 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 the physical market. So, what does that tell us? Yeah. What it tells us is, and we do realize that the that the jewelry industry, the refiners, they need financing. You need you need to have some kind of financing in place. Nowhere near eight thousand tons. I'm talking about a fraction of that, an absolute fraction of that. So, is it going to be any any uh, hindrance on gold when you suddenly see? far less physical, uh, far less paper unallocated gold will getting cleared through London and the brickle to unallocated is going to shrink rapidly. And so I think we're going to see a physical price emerge and, and it, we will be seeing uh, gold treated as a first year asset for sure. And in the meantime, could it be some, I mean, I'm just trying to summarize, but could it be summarized as, you know, the, the biz it hasn't, it isn't going to say or hasn't said on a de facto basis, gold is a tier one asset. But on a de jour or practical basis, the banks themselves are treating it as such, uh, even right today. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and of course, you know, they're, they're not going to – what they'll throw in there is that it's also a currency. Well, yes, right. of course, it is a currency. So, is you know, so, so I mean, that's unlike any other commodity. So uh, – and I think that this is part of the smoke and mirrors. You know, it, it is a currency. It, it trades as a foreign exchange cross, you know, long dollar, short gold, long gold, short dollar. I mean, you know, so, so yes, of course. But essentially, that is cash. And so, you know, they're saying gold is cash. Um, so it's the fact that it receives a zero risk weight right. um, if it's uh, if it's held in allocated form uh, for a bank to be able to use as essentially a first year asset. That's the key. All right. One last question, Andy, because we had a couple people write in about this. I, I, I failed to uh, follow up with David Morgan last week. I'm, I'm not sure if he misspoke or not, but he said something about thinking that gold was near the end of a 20 year bull market cycle. When And I should get back to David and ask him to clear that up because a lot of folks, myself included, uh, don't see that. We think we're in the early stages of or a continuing stage of a bull market uh, based on a number of macro factors. Where, where do you see us uh, in this, If you just in general terms, uh, for a bull market? Well, we just talked about a tectonic shift in right. uh, and, 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 and the historical shift in the value weight of how gold, physical gold is going to be valued. Um, and and there, there, there is no dispute that it receives a 0% risk weight at, uh, on June the 28th. And that will be accepted. Uh, that's already in place in Switzerland. It's in place in Europe, in, in Hong Kong, Asia, you know, US. I mean, essentially, you know, so... How, I don't see how gold can be actually be at the end of any kind of a, a, bull, a bull cycle here. I think it's the just beginning to be revalued. And, and I think one of the most important things, um, and, and again, we kind of covered this a tiny bit in the Life from the Vault episode this week. Um, it, it, look, it's all about protecting dollar hegemony. This is what Basel III is about. It's seeking to address massive dollar debasement and it, it really is to increase the what they want to do is increase the level of gold's collateralization 
of US foreign obligations. And we talked about it, look, they're currently about 6%. They, historically, they're 20 to 40%. I mean, that essentially puts gold really in the six to $12,000 range. Uh, sorry, the 10, 10 to $15,000 range. Ultimately, I see that's where gold will be. So I, I, I think, no, I, I would disagree uh, that personally, um, and certainly uh, most of the liquidity providers we talk to are, are gearing up. And, and in fact, if you look at the, uh, even if you look at the, um, uh, the, the delayed COT report, clearly the insiders are uh, gearing up for higher prices here. Yes, I agree. Andy, one last thing before we go. You've mentioned a couple times this interview you and I recorded for Kinesis uh, two days ago. Just tell everybody quickly where they can find that in case they're curious to hear more. Yeah, you can, you can, you can, um, it's live from the vault. Oh, look, hey, I tweeted out, you've tweeted it out. I'm sure everyone that's listening to you also uh, has your Twitter account. Um, it's, you know, or, or get it, go on the, on the Kinesis uh, Money uh, website and, and, and click on it. I think it's, we had a good receipt. It's been yeah. well received because really what, what you and I do is just talk about, we're just freewheeling and we're talking about all our thoughts and little light bulbs go off and we, hey, you know, this is our insights. And I think, you know, it's a value, I think, to people, especially who people who, who've not been in the business a long time, perhaps. That's right. Andy, thank you. Uh, you've given me, I asked for 20 minutes of your time. You've given me almost 30 and that's very generous of you. And, and I greatly appreciate it. I know everybody has really enjoyed listening. Uh, before you go, and before anyone goes, just please remember to check out SprottMoney.com for great deals on bullion and storage. We've got very competitive storage program rates and international locations, and we have currently a large selection of products as well. So please visit SprottMoney.com for more details. And as we always say, though, just pick up the phone and give us a call, too, at 888 Andrew McGuire, my old friend, thank you so much for your time. It's been very informative. I hope you have a great weekend. Yeah, it's been a pleasure and all my best to, to uh, Eric. Hey, thank you. I'll pe- be sure to pass that along. And from all of us here, it's Brought Money News. It's BroughtMoney.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next Friday.